This evening for a reading from Holy Scripture, we would invite you to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 23. We'll be reading from verses 26 through 43. If you're using the Bible that there is in the pew rack, this will be on page 1,216. Uh, We began last year a a pattern of taking one of the cross words that Jesus spoke from the cross, one a year. Uh, So last year being my first Good Friday in your midst, we looked at the first word. Uh, And so this evening it is our intention with the Lord's help to consider the second word. Uh, which Jesus Christ spoke from the cross. But for a bit of context, we'll begin reading from Luke 23, verse 26, and then we'll read through verse 43. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? For we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Thus far, our reading from this evening from the Word of God. A congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as you well know and as you no doubt have often heard, uh, the scene that is depicted through the inspired narrative that Luke gives us in Luke 23, is a most solemn scene, a most heavy scene. The crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, and along with him, the crucifixion of two other notorious criminals who had been sentenced to die by way of a most barbaric death. Crucifixion would have been absolutely horrific in nearly every single detail, from the trial and the subsequent beating 
uh, to the carrying of the cross to the site of the crucifixion. Uh, There the bodies of those being crucified would have hung suspended, uh, perhaps a foot off of the ground, maybe 18 inches off of the ground, uh, but certainly in full view of everyone who would have passed by on that busy road leading in and out of Jerusalem. And not only was it a gruesome scene, but there also would have been, of course, the cries that were heard. Cries of agony would often have accompanied uh, the sight of a crucifixion. Cries of agony of pain. Cries of agony uh, also from the account we hear of two men who are mocking, blaspheming the Lord Jesus Christ. Two thieves, not only common thieves, but criminals, notorious criminals, perhaps involved in some type of insurrection, some type of riotous up, rebelling against the Roman authorities. These two thieves were also being crucified with our Lord, one on the right and one on the left. But while there is much that they have in common, these two themes, there is also one thing that sets them remarkably apart. And what sets these two thieves apart is their dying words. The dying words that they spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ. The impenitent thief dies with mockings. The penitent thief dies with a humble request. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To which our Savior replies, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I would submit to you, congregation, that that is the simplicity of the Christian gospel. A sinner saying, Lord, remember, and a Savior saying, Today you will be with me in paradise. And so in the brief time allotted us this evening before we administer the Lord's Supper, we consider together underneath our theme a word of remembrance. Noticing, first of all, the need for remembrance, and then secondly, the request for remembrance, and then thirdly, the answer of remembrance. So a word of remembrance, the need, and then the request, and then the answer of this remembrance. In this scene, there is a need for remembrance in large part because of an impending death. We speak now here, yes, of all three men on these crosses. Their deaths are impending. Uh, But think with me for a moment for the man who spoke, Lord, remember me. His physical death is approaching him in an inescapable way. They often say that in the face of danger that there are at least two human responses. There's either the the fight response or there's the flight response. More recent research has added a third response, that of freeze. So that when an individual human person finds themselves in a place of danger, they either prepare themselves to fight, to defend themselves, or they turn to flight and they they run away. 
Or perhaps the third one is they just simply freeze. None of these options are available to this dying thief. He's nailed to a cross. He's surrounded by Roman authorities. Now, while it's true that death by crucifixion could take hours, if not days, the Sabbath is soon coming, and the Jews will request uh, that the knees of these thieves be broken so that their death uh, by asphyxiation will come quickly. Make no doubt about it, this thief who says, Lord, remember me, will not see the end of this day before he meets with death. Eternity, with all of its weight and all of its solemnity, is racing towards this man who, as far as we can tell, had spent the majority of his at least adult life engaged in criminal activity. This man who would have stolen this man who would have been a rebel, uh, perhaps even engaging uh, in further criminal acts uh, as he sought to free himself from the Roman authorities. We read in Hebrews 9, verse 27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. And that day of appointment for this thief has come. This is the day of his death. And eternity. And along with eternity, his meeting of God is just one breath away. There's an old saying, I suppose many of you have heard it, there is no honor among thieves. This man will quickly be forgotten. His fellow thieves would not remember him. Certainly, his companion who's dying on the other side of the middle cross will not remember him. And so not only is he being confronted with the reality of death, he's also being confronted with the fact that the entirety of his person will soon be forgotten. And yet his soul has been awakened. His soul or his spirit, there has been a change within this thief. Because he also, just a few moments ago, joined with his fellow companion in mocking and blaspheming the man on the middle cross. But now something different comes forth from his lips. He heard the first word from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Perhaps he was also aware that this man on the middle cross had the title King of the Jews. And now underneath the Spirit's work within this man's soul, there's a change. And he acknowledges two truths. This penitent thief acknowledges that he is justly condemned. He comes to see that he is a sinner. He rebukes his companion. He says, do you not fear God? This man has done nothing wrong, but we, we receive the sentence that we are due. And then seeing 
the reality that he is a sinner, he also comes to know something of Jesus as the righteous Lord, the Christ, the King. Although it is absolutely amazing, this transformation, notice how simple it is. What did this repentant thief know? He knew he was a sinner. And he knew Christ was a king. He knew Christ was the Christ. He knew Christ was the Lord. Now, no doubt it was an infant knowledge. No doubt it was just a beginning knowledge. No doubt it was not very deep in its understanding, but it was a real knowledge. And a continual concern of many, many a pastor throughout the ages of the Christian church is this fear that salvation becomes too complicated in the minds of the church. What must you know to be saved? Simply this, that you are a sinner and that Christ is the Savior. This is his need for remembrance. And out of this knowledge, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Notice a little bit more about that request in our second point. The request also is simple. But notice, first of all, what it does not contain. This repentant thief does not try to explain away his actions. He does not try to minimize his actions. He does not try to shift blame for his actions. He doesn't say, well, I wasn't the worst in the bunch. He doesn't say, well, I did what I did because of this or because of that. He doesn't try to barter with the Lord, say, yes, I know I messed up a few times, but I also did these good things. No, his request is very, very simple. Remember me. Now, now think of that word me for a minute. The repentant thief is saying, Lord, remember me. A thief. A criminal. A criminal to the extent that I justly deserve to be crucified to death. And I just want to emphasize this so that we as a church and anyone who ever hears these words never ever doubts the truth that Christ is the Savior of sinners and even of great sinners. Because there was that group known as the Pharisees who thought that they were a little bit better than common sinners. And perhaps you remember their criticism of the Lord. He eats and drinks with sinners. Now they did not say that as a compliment for the Lord. They said that as a criticism. And what did our Savior do? In essence, he said, absolutely. The Lord did 
eat and drink with sinners. And why? Because those are the persons He came to save. Those who are well do not call for the physician, but those who are sick. Jesus Christ did not come to save those who are well in their own opinion, in their own estimation. He came to save those who recognize their need of salvation. He came to save Yes, even thieves, even murderers, the chief of sinners. And this penitent thief, he knows something of that. And so he says, me, Lord, remember me. This word remember is a beautiful word. It has the sense of recall to mind. And to recall to mind for a good benefit. And so basically, the penitent thief is asking Jesus Christ, don't forget about me. But when you come into all of the glory of your kingdom, recollect in your mind that thief that was dying next to you. And remember me for good. Remember me in grace. Remember me in mercy. Remember me for my benefit and for my advantage. And he had good reason to make this request. Psalm 145, verse 18 and 19 says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. And then listen to this. He will hear their cry and save them. Now, I'm not implying that the penitent thief had that psalm in the back of his mind. but he staked his entire eternity upon the truth that is in that psalm. He said, Lord, remember me. And the psalmist says, the Lord will hear their cry and save them. Even the greatest of sinners, the thieves, the murderers, the rebels, the rioters, and you could go on and on and on, the greatest of sinners who simply cry out, Lord, remember me in your grace and in your mercy to show me your favor. Notice just for a brief moment the contrast to this request. After the initial mocking by the other thief, we hear nothing more of him. Now, these crucifixions would have taken place in close proximity. Uh, the body of the individual being crucified would not be elevated very far off of the ground, and the three crosses would have been placed in close proximity so that each person would have been able to hear the words spoken from the other person. And so we can safely 
assume that the thief who was impenitent, the thief who never said, Lord, remember me, he heard this transaction. And and you would think that he maybe, I mean, what did he have to lose? Why not throw in a, well, remember me also? Why not say, yes, Lord, if you are coming into a kingdom, I also, along with my companion who's just requested remembrance, I also am dying. I also am hastening into eternity. Lord, will you remember me also? But nothing. Nothing follows the mocking blasphemy of his impenitent lips. He dies so close to Jesus Christ, and yet he dies so far away. And the only reason he dies so far away is because his impenitent, hardened heart would not mutter the simple request, Lord, remember me. So simple, yet so difficult, until the Holy Spirit works a change. I need to ask you, as I ask myself, have you said in one way or another, Lord, remember me? Do you say continually, in one way or another. I'm not saying you have to use these exact words. Do you say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom? If not, why not? Is it too lengthy of a statement to make? Too difficult of a request to make? But if you do make that request, consider then briefly the answer. And there's a wonder to the answer because what reason does the repentant thief have to expect a favorable answer? Just moments ago, he mocked Christ. As far as we can tell, the majority of his life, he lived in lawlessness. He's been justly condemned to die. What reason is there for a possible favorable response to his request? And in addition, consider the circumstances of Jesus Christ in this hour. He's continuing to experience the infinite wrath of God crushing his soul as a sacrifice for sin. He has been beaten. He has been nailed to a cross. His lips are parched, as we'll hear in a later word when he cries out, I thirst. He's been deprived of sleep for quite a number of hours. He's been abandoned by many. But even greater than that, he is soon to be forsaken by his Father in heaven itself. We might say that we would understand 
if Jesus Christ did not have the time or the energy or even the goodwill at this point to say anything. I mean, imagine, and boys and girls, maybe you have this sometime. Imagine that a parent is very, very, very busy, and you ask a question and they say, not now. Or imagine that someone is in intense pain and you ask a question and they can't even answer you. We might well understand if Christ said nothing to this repentant thief, but behold the wonder of grace. That he doesn't say, I'll think about it. He doesn't say, well, what about those mockings that you were just saying towards me? But immediately, he goes even above and beyond the request. He doesn't say, yeah, I'll remember you. He begins his answer with assuredly, certainly, absolutely. It's a reaffirmation even before he gets into his answer. He wants this penitent thief to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will remember you. Absolutely. Guaranteed. Assuredly, I say to you, today, not not some long time down the future, and, and with one word, Jesus Christ annihilates the false doctrine of some purgatorial experience in the afterlife. He says, today, you, you thief, you criminal, you sinner, you rebel, but you who confess your sins and who ask for mercy, today you will be with me. And that is the essence of salvation. Fellowship with the Son. Today you will be with me in paradise. So think of it. The sinless Savior and the sinful thief enter into paradise together. Enter into paradise together. Now, of course, we refer here to Jesus Christ and His human nature and in his soul. Because the last words will include those words of Christ, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But along with that, Jesus Christ, and I know not verbally from the cross, but through his intercession, Jesus Christ said to the Father, and I have another soul to commit into paradise the soul of a repentant thief who said, Lord, remember me. To whom Jesus answered, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.